for you this week, and uh, we'd love, we'd love to do that. I'm going to wrap up a sermon series today that I started, um, goodness, about four weeks ago, walking through the book of Proverbs, really just the first nine chapters of Proverbs, and we're calling it an invitation. We're calling it an invitation from wisdom because there are three invitations given out um, by wisdom uh, to. To, to, to different individuals. We've been talking about those three individuals that wisdom calls out to. And so first off, I, I, I find it encouraging, I find it hopeful um, that wisdom actually calls out to people. Uh, I think sometimes people feel like God is silent over their life or God is uh, uh, secluded out in this, this back corner somewhere and if you want to hear him, you have to go find him. But actually, what the book of Proverbs shows us is that, is that the spirit of wisdom, Jesus Christ, is calling out to each and every one of us. Um, whatever stage you're in, whatever um, system you're in, whatever your life looks like, wisdom has an answer for you. And so we've talked about three different individuals that wisdom specifically calls to. Number one uh, is a call to the scoffers. And so that's not a word we use very often here uh, in America. Uh, so we had to define that. We had to talk about scoffership and scoffing and what all that means. If you're interested in that, you can go back and listen to the podcast on our website. Um, but basically, it's those people who have rejected wisdom who cannot stand uh, to listen to an altering opinion. And so they are scoffers. They, they stand back and they, they scoff at truth and at instruction. And uh, there you go. Wisdom's calling you right now. This is what I'm talking about. Wisdom is calling. You're about 30 seconds off, but next time we'll plan it better and it'll be good. When I say calling, that's when it's like ring, 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 yeah. So um, uh, anyway, wis wisdom calls out to scoffers. Wisdom reaches out to scoffers, even in their scoffing. Wisdom is, is not afraid of that. He's not afraid of people who, who just hate, who hate God, who hate wisdom, who hate truth. He still opens an invitation to salvation to scoffers. And then uh, last week we talked about the fools. Uh, that's the second category that wisdom is calling out to. And it's a second call, really. It's a different kind of call. Wisdom calls out to fools. And, 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 and she says, look, I know you don't like instruction. I know you don't like it. But if you would be persistent, if you would diligently seek me, then you would find me. And so she calls out to fools. And today uh, she's calling out in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 9, her final call. She's calling out to the simple. And honestly, I think this does, the term simple, does include each and every, each and every one of us. And, and I know um, in our modern day language, when you say simple, uh, the word simple, it, it, it tends to mean sort of dense, right? Like somebody's a little bit slow or um, a couple fries short of a happy meal or not the sharpest tool in the shed or crayon in the box. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when we say somebody's simple, we kind of mean they're, they're a little bit dull, a little bit dense, a little bit... You know, it's just a little bit offbeat, right? It's just kind of a, an odd sort of sort of person. Oh, that person's so simple. It's like like in Texas, we would say, uh, "Bless their heart." That's what you all would say. And I found out when I moved here that doesn't actually mean that you are wishing blessings on that person's inner self. You are. It's kind of a phrase of how oh, that person is. Like, you know that person. Well. You, you know them, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of simple. They don't really pick up on stuff all the time. And that's, this is what we mean by simple um, in our current context. Uh, I was talking to Madden, my seven-year-old, the other day, um, and uh, she, was, she, was, she was telling me, um, my brother's moving down, and so she got to hang out with, with, with her cousin more, um, Bryden, and so she told me that she wanted to marry her cousin. And, uh, you know, because she really likes Bryden. So she said, I think I want to marry Bryden. She's seven years old. She's really trying to plan her wedding. And because um, 
that's girls. Anyway, um, she's like, I, I think I want to marry Brighton. I said, well, honey, you can't marry Brighton. Why not? Brighton's your cousin. You know, you can't. We're like, we're in Texas, right? Not in Kentucky. We don't, it's not, sorry, my bad. Too far? Too far? Okay. Um, back up. Uh, anyway, you can't marry your cousin. You just, it's just not okay. This is not how things work. And she said, well, she said, well, well, I really wanted to marry Micah, which is her brother. And she said, she said, but mom told me I can't marry him because we would have really weird kids. <laughs> You're already going to have weird kids, but yes, if you married your brother, they would be weirder. They would be weirder. And she said, then there's this other boy that she likes to hang out with. She said, she said I, I also kind of want to marry him, but I don't know if he's very trustworthy. I said, come on, somebody. You're looking for the right thing. The right thing. Genetically safe and character trustworthy. I like it. I like it. I did say not many seven-year-old boys are very trustworthy, but, um, but hold out for the ones who are. Come on, somebody. And so that's why I told her, I said, well, well, babe, like your mom, like mom didn't meet me. She didn't meet me. She didn't even know I existed until she was 30, 30 years old. So you're seven years old right now. So that means, hmm, let's see, I'm not real good at math, but I think that's about 23 years. So that's, that's the year 2039, you can meet a boy. This is how that works. She said, oh, okay. So she just goes about her life. <laughs> I, should, I, I need to get that recorded, right, that she agreed to that. She agreed. No boys until 2039. Uh, even if I'm not alive in 2039. No boys until, anyway, um, that's our version of simple, right? Our, it's like people come out, they're a little bit dense maybe, and their brains don't quite work as well as other people. And, and that's our version of simple. But in, in the biblical version of simple, that is somewhat close, but it's really all about immaturity. Scripture in, and in Proverbs talks about being simple, and it's really talking about being immature, which means all of us have been simple. And all of us, to some extent, probably still have some simpleness inside of us, some way in which we need to grow up. Turn to the person next to you tell them, grow up. I don't, I don't usually do that unless it's kind of a smart alecky thing. So grow up, right? Like, like, like everybody needs to grow up a little bit. And so this, this message is to hopefully will offend everybody, okay? This is my goal. Everybody's going to leave ticked off. And that's why we're washing your car. So you go, you're mad at me here. You go out there and you, you like me again. That's kind of the goal. So, uh, but it applies to all of us. All of us need to grow up a little bit. All of us need to mature a little bit. All of us have some areas in our life, some areas in our thinking in which we are not who we ought to be. It's not, it's not condemnation. It's just, just the way that it is. We are, hopefully, we're growing throughout our lives. I, I, I flew to Michigan last week and did the funeral for my grandma. And, um, and of course, being me, the primary um, message of my, of, 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 of my eulogy was that grandma was slow. And, um, and she was. So everybody in, in the place kind of laughed at that because that is definitely true of Donna Fleming. Like, Donna Fleming was so slow. Like there's slow and then there's, then there's Donna. And, and, and like, I don't even know how you, like she was so slow. Like you would, like if some, if you were, if you were, if she was at your house for birthday party or whatever, if she happened somehow magically to beat you to the restroom, right? The bathroom. And you go up to the door and grandma's in the bathroom. You have to gauge the level of urgency, right? Like, 
Are we half full? Are we three quarters? Are we running out? And you know, because you have to get, because you, it might be a while. So you got to think, if, if it's, you know, scale of one to 10, if it's north of five, like you might want to get in your car and drive down to 7-Eleven because grandma is slow, slow, slow. She, she was so slow. And so I talked about that. And I can talk about that because I'm her grandson and I take after her. When my dad, I take after my dad and my dad takes after her. And so we're all slow. Like none of us have ever been accused of being fast at anything in our lives. Like, we're just slow. And the funny thing is we always marry fast people, right? And so my wife is like, you know, like, like the Tasmanian devil. Like you sort of see her, but you're not sure if that was her or if that was a ghost or something. She's, a, she's you know, just, man, so fast. And, and, and my mom's the same way. My mom's always like, Dad, come on, hurry up. Harry Sr., come on, let's get going. You know, so, and it's the same thing with my grandma. Like, you know, it's like, it's like God always sort of, it's like a, heavenly practical joke. He hooks us up with people who, who are fast and we're slow and it kind of helps even us out. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why we were so attracted to them, but I don't know. But, but there's, 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 there's an element. I was talking about my grandma and I was talking about my final point was that she was slow um, to trust in Jesus. And she was. Um, for most of her life, she trusted in herself. For most of her life, she trusted in her own good works. And at the age of 70, she chose to give her life to Christ. And so, I, you know, even if you're 70 here today, there are some places that you can grow. I've seen a 70-year-old woman grow for 19 years. She died and she's 89. I've seen her grow. I've seen her learn how to let go of things. She quit smoking at the age of 69. She'd been smoking since, like, Noah got off the ark and handed her a pack of cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? Like, forever, you know? But, but that was back in the day when 9 out of 10 doctors recommended, you know, Marlboro or whatever. And, and so, you know, I mean, like, it was common. Like, you, you watch a movie, everybody's smoking the whole time. They didn't have to act. Can you sit and smoke? That's pretty much the role of them, Hollywood back in the day. It was, it was everywhere. And then, and then uh, at age 69, Grandpa died of a, of, of a massive tumor in his lungs, and Grandma decided, I'm not going to touch that stuff anymore. And she just put it down and walked away at age 69. So I've seen people, even late in life, grow. I've seen, it's not just kids and teenagers and people playing Pokemon uh, go. It's not just those people that need to <laughs> grow up. It's not just those people that need to... <laughs> I've been wanting to say that all, you know, for the past couple of weeks. So. It's not just, it's not just, like, it's, it's all of us. It's all of us all need to grow in some area. I've offended this whole side, so this is good. I'm going to talk to you all. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, and so, you know, we all need, we all need to grow in some level. And, and this is, this is, this is an element of simplicity. And it really is actually the word simple um, in, in the Hebrew means uh, to be open-minded. <laughs> This is to offend everybody else. Because our culture loves open-mindedness. We love it. And we, we, just, we, we, we just love it. And in fact, this is one of our culture's problems, is that we are so open-minded that, you know, everything falls out. <laughs> All of our motivation falls out. All of our dogma falls out. All of our spine falls. We don't have, we don't stand for anything because we're so just open-minded to, and, and, and the, the, the truth is, you know, the scoffer and the fool, they don't want to hear instruction, right? Because it doesn't agree with them. And so it's good to be open to instruction. It's good to be open to wisdom, open to God. The problem with the simple is he's open to everybody. He's just open to every voice in his life. He gives every voice the same amount of weight as the other. 
And so somebody criticizes him. Oh, I need to change that. Somebody praises him. Oh, I really need to keep doing that. And he allows every voice in his life to adjust the temperature of his emotions and adjust the temperature of his life. So he's always going like this. And he's always left and right, up and down, hot and cold. And this is what happens with immaturity. This is not sin. This is not like, you know, the end of the world. The problem, the danger is that we stay there. You can start off there. We all do. We all start off very open to all sorts of things. And wisdom helps us define which voice we should be listening to. (laughs) And so maturity for us is that we learn to listen to the voice of God. That we learn to listen to the voice of wisdom. Because if not, there is going to be many other voices that are going to come talking to you. And one of those voices is found in Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to read uh, pretty much this whole chapter. And uh, this chapter in, in Proverbs chapter 7 actually has a funny history for me. Uh, wow, that is blurry. Um, uh, like I said, we're having some issues. You might have to wiggle that a little bit. Just, just hit it, drop it on, drop kick it once or twice, and it'll be good. Um, Proverbs chapter 7 verse 1 says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call understanding your nearest kin. That they, this is key, that they may keep you from the immoral woman. Remember, this is a father speaking to his son. They may keep you from the seductress who flatters with her words. Now he goes on to tell a story in verse 6. He says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths. See, it's, 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 it's immaturity he's talking about. I saw the simple, he was among the youths. There was a man devoid of understanding, and he was passing along the street near her corner. Whose corner? The immoral woman. Passing along the street of her corner, and he took the path to her house. It was in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night and there was a woman that met him with the attire of a harlot I don't know how how descriptive I need to be about that Uh, she was dressed to impress the attire of a harlot and and it's interesting and a crafty heart she looked good on the outside but she's not good for you Uh, she's the the fruit may look good on the outside but sometimes there's poison uh, on the inside you can't judge stuff by how it looks on the outside. She, she looks sexy. She looks hot, but she has a crafty heart. In other words, she's, she's a little bit deceptive. She's planning something that she's not telling you about. She was loud and rebellious, and her feet would not stay at home. What that means is that she, she has a family. She has a husband. She has responsibilities. She doesn't like to think about her responsibilities. She doesn't like to think about what she ought to be doing. She simply is living off of her impulses. She's, she's running off of her, of, her, of her desires. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet wouldn't stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. That, that word sounds on, you know, om, ominous, and it's supposed to. She's lurking. So she caught him. That's once again, is supposed to sound ominous. She caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. I don't even know what that word is. It means shameless. It means shameless face. So she's not embarrassed about grabbing him and making out with him. Which even in this culture was really weird. This is really odd behavior. In our culture, it would be pretty strange, right? If a girl walks up and just 
kisses you. That's, hello, uh, do I know you, you know, kind of thing. It's an odd moment, <laughs> kind of awkward. But in this culture, man, it's really strange. She, she grabs him, she kisses him. Shameless face, this is what she says to him. And I'm going to come back and look at this in a minute. But she says, I have peace offerings with me today. I've paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And look, I found you. I've spread my bed with tapestry colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Like the dude cares about that. Uh, Come, just, just saying, come let us take our fill of love until morning. That's, that, 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 that's what the guy's interested in right there. Come let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him and he will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she causes him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Immediately, he goes after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. In other words, he doesn't even know what is awaiting him. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, basically an arrow will strike his liver. And as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it would cost his life. <laughs> Temptation never puts the cost up front. It never tells you what it's going to cost you. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. No, look, not your feet. He's not talking to the man's feet. He says, don't let your heart. Because long before you commit adultery with your body, you've already committed it with your heart. And so your body follows your heart. Your, your mind follows your heart. Don't let your heart, don't let your desires go down her street. <laughs> don't let your desires hang out at her corner. Don't let your heart turn aside to her way. Don't stray onto her path, because she has cast down many wounded, and all who are slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Marcus, uh, a friend from West Virginia, uh, about 12 years ago, I was in Bible college, and he called me up. He was in the middle of summer. I was on summer break. He said, hey, do you want to go to Myrtle Beach? And uh, he's in West Virginia. I'm in Michigan. And um, he, he wanted to go hang out in Myrtle Beach for a few days. And I, I, I love the beach. You can't tell it now, but before I had kids, I loved the beach. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just a lot of fun. And so I said, sure, Marcus. And he said, well, I got this friend also who's like brand new Christian. I've been trying to mentor him a bit. And um, I'd like to bring him along. His name's Eddie. And I said, great, bring him along. Bring Eddie. Eddie, we got Eddie. Eddie, Eddie and Priscilla, no. Okay, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie comes along. Now, Eddie is a brand new Christian. Eddie was, I mean, literally, like, he just started coming to church, just started believing in Jesus at all. And on the way, uh, as we're driving in Marcus's car, on the way, Eddie lets us know that he used to live in Myrtle Beach, and he used to be a big drug dealer in Myrtle Beach. So he's got, he knows Myrtle Beach like the back of his hand, you know, and it's, it's not a pretty sight. Anyway, so he's, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going back then. And so, so, so we get into Myrtle Beach and we, we could like get to the drag, right? And, and I'm, and I'm just, a, you know, a Christian white boy from Michigan. Um, Marcus is a, is a Christian black guy from West Virginia. And then we got Eddie and Eddie had a nickname that he told us about. It was Eddie Love. That was Eddie's nickname. <laughs> Not because he loved Jesus, it was other things. And so Eddie loved, and like, like, like Eddie wants to drive, like we, <laughs> we get him, and Eddie's like, I, I need to drive, let me know. He's going to drive down the strip. So he's literally, he's going, we're going about 15 miles an hour 
down Main Street, and uh, it's, it's just getting dark. He puts all the windows down, starts thumping music, you know, leads his chair way back, and it's like, and Marcus is a worship leader, so he's like, she's a brick, uh, 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 house, and he's like clapping and getting all gospel to it, and I'm like, this is not God, why, hey, come on, somebody, this isn't gospel music. Uh, so it was an interesting three days, to say the least. So we're there with Eddie Love and Marcus, and Marcus and I are trying to, you know, shepherd the guy a little bit. You know, man, look, look come on, you know, this is this is this is what it means to follow Jesus. And so, anyway, we're there at the beach, and he sees this this chick. This we just call her Bikini Girl. We don't know her name. She was just some girl in a bikini out there in the water. He's like, I'm gonna go talk to her. And so Eddie Love, you know, goes on. He brought a frisbee because he says it's a great way to meet girls. And so, you know, he brings. He's training me and all this stuff. I'm like, Eddie, I really don't. I, hey, it's cool. And so, you know, so he's out there playing. For, he's like gone like 10 minutes. Then he comes back and he's like, so she keeps asking about you. So maybe you should go play Frisbee with her. <laughs> oh, it just happens when I'm at the beach. What can I say? I just, and so, <laughs> so, so I go out and play Frisbee with her for a few minutes. And then she starts like inviting me for a sleepover at her house that night. And I'm like, um, yeah, hmm, pajama party with you. Yeah, no, it's not, hmm, yeah. Actually, I think we got to get going, you know, the time is running late. And so I come back, and I'm like, guys, I think we should probably get going. And so, and so we get in the car, and, and so I'm telling Eddie and, and uh, Marcus about this. And Eddie's like, man, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll drop you off at her house. I'll pick you up in the morning. It's all good. And we're like, no, I'm not going to do that, uh, Eddie. And he's like, why not? And I said, well, the hold on. I brought a Bible with me because that's what, Christians do on vacation. And uh, I said, well, wait till we get back to the hotel. So I whipped out my Bible and I read Proverbs chapter seven to him. I, re I read this, right? Her, her, her house is the path to hell. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a nice bikini and all, but her house is the path to hell. Do you want to go to hell, Eddie? <laughs> He just kind of looked at me like, you're weird, man. I don't know about that. Like, it's just, it's just Myrtle Beach. That's what we do. No, no, no. He was simple. Eddie was simple. Eddie was new. Eddie didn't really get it. He, he just kind of, hey, that's what a, that's a beautiful opportunity. Let's go for it. And, and, and yet he didn't have the wisdom that is given to us at the end of this chapter. It says, no, actually, what looks good on the outside is not good for you. What feels good in the moment is not good, always good for you. And so the reverse of this, the sort of opposite option that, that Proverbs gives us is wisdom. So we have this woman over here called temptation. And if you're simple, you are going to fall for her. If you're simple, you're going to fall for her. Number one, you recognize that the simple guy is walking by the path of her house. And he's hanging out on her corner. This is what happens whenever you are simple. You are open to other things. You are open to other ideas. You are open to temptation. You are, you know, I'll just hang out here and I'll just go out there with them and I'll just see what happens. I'm kind of, they, you, you don't really make up a decision until you're in the moment because you've got to see how it feels. This is the problem with being so open-minded. You haven't decided what you're going to do before you get into the situation. The reason why I, I could tell the girl, look, I got to go and um, we need to, like, we got to get dinner. The reason why I, because I already knew what I was going to do. 
I'd already decided. I had already made up my mind before I got into the situation. And, but this, this simple person is not. He's, he's, he's looking for possibly the best opportunity or the next thrill or whatever's going to feel good in the moment. And so he's in the wrong place. First off, he's in the place where he is vulnerable to temptation. He's vulnerable. He's right there on the corner of her street. If he had not been at the corner of her street, he never would have ended up where he ended up. And so the first thing you need to realize about temptation is that where you are, where you hang out, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, what you have not decided, if you have not decided, then uh, the temptation will make up your mind for you. If you haven't yet decided before you get into temptation, temptation will decide for you. And she says, look, I got this great, got this great idea. I saw you out here. She, she, she starts off with the weirdest thing. If we could put that, that slide back up just at her, at, at her invitation. Starts off so strange to me. Uh, in, in verse 10, there's a woman. And at times she's outside. And in verse 14, this is what she says. She says, I have peace offerings with me and I fulfilled my vows today. Personally, I think that's pretty odd. I mean, it would have made sense if like, I saw you out here, you looked really good, and I said, I got to get me some of that. That makes more sense. Because this is the premise for her whole scheme. Like, she starts off with this premise. She says, I just got home from church. Like, this is so strange to me, because maybe it's just because I'm a guy, maybe it's because I've watched late night television, and there's like 1-800-sexy-singles, you know, and... Uh, some of you have never seen those commercials. Anyway, I'll, I'll describe it. There's some girl in her underwear who's talking about how lonely she is. I'm so lonely. I just, I just need somebody to talk. Well, of course, you're in a room with all these candles lit all by yourself. Like, where's your friends and family? What is going on? What are you doing? You're going to burn the place down. I just need somebody to talk to. Have you called your therapist? Because I think he's, he, he needs to talk. To, like, if you need, oh, it's somebody to talk to. Okay. No, but this, like, these, this is the way that our culture says, hey, I'm, I'm open, I'm available, I'm ready to go. Right? And so, but this is not what she says. She says, I paid my vows today. I have with me the offerings that I took to the temple. Now, the peace offerings, if you've ever read it, Leviticus chapter 7, a very exciting chapter in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 7 talks about the peace offerings, and uh, they are peace or thanksgiving offerings. Basically, when you made a vow to God, in other words, if you got in trouble and you said, God, if you ever get me out of this, I promise I will. Some of you have probably done that before. Uh, God said, okay, whenever you make a vow, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bring a calf, or a goat or a ram. I want you to bring an animal to the temple and I want you to offer that animal as a thanksgiving offering. Once, once God says, once I do what you ask me to do, I want you to come back and say thank you. Now, this is the way God asks you to repay. I, I think it's so beautiful. The way God asks people to repay their vows is simply come and give thanks. And in his thanks even, it's beautiful because you bring the animal uh, to the priest, the priest kills the animal and then cooks the animal and then gives you most of the meat back. And God said, I want you to take the meat, take it home, have dinner with your family, celebrate the goodness of God. This is how our God is. He's not looking for you. Okay, well, now you did that. Now I did this for you. Now you're going to have to, you know, fill in the blank. No, God says, even in your worship, I want you to eat and fellowship and celebrate. 
I want you to have joy. I want you to be full. I don't want you to go without. I don't want you, on, I, I, I don't want you to fast that night because, well, God did something for me. I got to do something for him. No, no. He said, I want you to celebrate in my goodness and rejoice in how good I am. That's what she's talking about. She said, look, I got in a tough place and I said, God, if you, then I, that's what happened. And so today I finally was able to go and pay my, my, my vows and celebrate. And now I've taken the goodness of God. I've taken the great, the joy of God. And so look, so I came out to meet you. <laughs> this is the danger of religion. This is the danger of being simple, but yet being religious. Is that you can get this relationship with God, if you, then I, kind of relationship. And God does what he told you to do, right? God, if you fix my marriage, I'll, I'll never miss church again. And, I, and I've even heard preachers say, well, no, 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 you made vows to God. No, you need to keep those vows, God darn it. And uh, basically our, our whole altar calls, you come down and cry about how you haven't been fulfilling your vows. And then you go fulfill your vows, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should fulfill their vows should not perish but should have everlasting life. Hold, hold up. That's not quite the way that it goes. This is the problem, actually, with the Old Covenant. This exemplifies, because in Proverbs, you don't hear much about sacrifices and stuff like that. It's like the only time. And the only time that the Old Covenant is mentioned is through a seductress woman. A woman who figured out how to be religious without changing her heart. Who figured out how to get God to do what she wanted him to do for her. And then she figured out how to be thankful to God for what he had done for her. And yet he took, she took the very things that he had blessed her with. And she used it as an occasion to follow what she really wanted. And that's what you will always do. That's what I will always do. We will always do exactly what we want. Which is why the old covenant of bringing sacrifices and doing this and then God does that and then you do this and then God does that and then you do this and, and, and if you then I kind of relationship with God it's only skin deep it's only exterior it's only out here but this woman doesn't have an exterior problem she has a heart problem that her celebration of how good God had been to her led her to say man I'm lonely my husband's gone I need to go find somebody and so she finds him she says, this is, this is why I'm looking for you because, because I'm so religious. And this is, this is how temptation will always present itself to you. Basically what she's doing is she's building a character reference for why he should trust her. Because this is a religious culture. It's a religious culture. So the fact that she's keeping the law for, in his mind, it's a really good thing. She's not that bad. I mean, what she's wanting to do really isn't that good but she's you know she's obviously pretty you know every, she's she's building she's laying for herself a, a a character reference saying look i'm really not that bad because i mean i just got home from church i just i just paid my vows I, I'm, I'm celebrating how good god is come celebrate with me you know what i'm saying and some of you guys really get uptight whenever sex is is the subject of this sermon you need to Relax. Because it's throughout the Bible. If you don't like it, it's like it's like all throughout the Bible. Because it's central to who we are. This is a parable. This isn't just talking about physical relationships. This isn't just talking about adultery. This is a parable about life. 
Because sex is central to who you are as a person, your sexuality. And so in the same way, he's saying, look, there's going to be a lot of temptations, not just, not just of the sexual variety, but a lot of temptations are going to present itself to you as something that's good and something that's right. Yeah, you ought to stand up for yourself. That's, that's good. That's good to, to cut that person down behind their back because then people know what kind of person they really are and they won't, they won't get messed up. It's good. It's, 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 it's good to, to take matters into your own hands. It's good to, to, to you know, just to, to, to avoid truth and to avoid anything that contradicts what you want to do. It's not just of a sexual nature. This is life. Life will, and the, the temptation, even if it's an apple in the Garden of Eden, you will notice, first of all, that it is good. And there will be a goodness factor a veneer on it, which will quickly be stripped away. But that doesn't matter because its character reference is going to present itself to you as, hey, I'm safe. I'm good. Just like you. I, I like God. God's good. Celebrate God. And the path you know, to compromise doesn't start off with, hey, why don't you jump off that bridge over there? The path to compromise is, man, I'm just like you. I'm fulfilling my vows. I'm doing what's good too. So come, so, so, Take a step, take a step in this direction. Then you listen to the rest of her interesting dialogue. She says, uh, verse 16, I've spread my bed with tapestry and colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. She spends like two verses talking about her bed. And that's what she focuses on. Now I want to look at the opposite of temptation. I want to look at wisdom, the wisdom of God. In Proverbs chapter 9, um, verse 1, this is wisdom's final call in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. And this is her call to those who are simple. She says, uh, it says, wisdom has built her house. Isn't that interesting? Temptation has built her bed. Wisdom has built her house. Notice, temptation doesn't even mention a house. Spent a lot of time spraying perfume on the bed getting the right color sheets, getting the right origin of sheets. I mean, like she's, temptation has put a lot of effort, time, money, energy, thought into the bed. But there's no, there's no reference to a house. This bed could be out in the woods. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, there, there's, she's not interested in walls. She's not interested in ceilings. She's not interested in foundations. She's interested in the bed. This is what temptation does. Temptation will try to get you to get a million dollar bed in a two dollar house. You get... <laughs> or, or a Mercedes Benz parked in the driveway of your manufactured home. I can keep going if you want. A 70 inch 4K flat screen TV. Come on, somebody. And your roof is leaking. I don't have the TV, but I got the leaky roof. I know that counts. <laughs> this is what temptation does, though. Temptation takes the center of the house, which is the bed, and says, that's really all we really need. We don't need, we don't need a lifestyle that sustains we don't need a house that protects or sustains our bed. We just need the bed. <laughs> Temptation offers you just the bed. And the problem with that is once you get just the bed, you find out that as soon as it rains at all, <laughs> your bed is soggy and it doesn't work out that well. 
Wisdom builds a house. Wisdom builds walls, foundations, slab, uh, the trusses, roof, shingles. We're talking electrical in the walls and, and insulation, AC, not the window kind, but the kind you'd like adjust in the number. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, wisdom builds a house. God wants to build a house for you. We settle for beds. We, we settle for sleeping in the forest on a bed. And the bed, sure, the bed's awesome. I mean, it's amazing. Wow, isn't that great? But is it going to last? She says, come, let us take our fill of love till morning. What's going to happen after that? <laughs> You're back on the street, dude. See, this is, this is, this is why, like, it's not that the, it's, it's, sometimes I think people get the wrong idea about God. They're, like, God doesn't want me to have any fun. God doesn't want me to have a nice bed. No, God wants you to have an awesome bed, but he wants it to be in a house that's going to be able to keep it safe and keep it protected, and you can raise a family in, and you can, and you can leave a legacy in, because if you spend your life just, 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 like, we settle for beds, right? Right, we settle for getting our kids through college. Right, we settle for that. It's like, well, if I can just get them through, they just get good grades. And we settle for getting them through college when God wants them to get into heaven. We, we, we settle for living a life together as a husband and wife when God wants us to leave a legacy. We settle, we settle for beds. We settle for stuff that's flashy and nice right now. But after 30 years, is anybody going to stand at your eulogy and talk about your bed? Your house is what matters. Where do you live? Well, whenever we're on vacation, we're having a wonderful time. Our family's happy. Great. Two weeks out of the year. What about the other 50? What about your house? Like, like what, where you live? You want a nice bed? Go to a hotel or something. But, I mean, let's make sure we got some walls around this thing. Let's make sure we got a foundation under this thing. Let's make sure we got something that can sustain the joy that we want to have. Wisdom builds a house. She doesn't just build any house. She says that she set up seven pillars, which means it's a strong house. This isn't a mud hut. This isn't a Mickey Mouse house, right? Cardboard. This is, this is seven. She, she took the time to take out of the side of a mountain these rocks big enough. She's put a lot of time and effort into making sure that her house will last. And that is the main difference. And that is the call that she puts out to the simple. She's prepared her meat. She's mixed her wine. Notice, she's offering stuff that will actually help you survive. Temptation offered none of that. No house, no food, no drink. And she is offering house, food, drink. She says she's mixed her wine. She's prepared her table. She sent out her servants. She calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense or they're void of understanding, she says, come eat my food. Drink the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. What is she doing? She's offering relationship. This is ancient relationship. Come eat with me. Jesus actually says this to the church, uh, to, to the church in the book of Revelation. He says, I'm, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone would hear my voice, I would come into him and eat with him. This, 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 this called, that's called uh, fellowship. That's called uh, a relationship. Temptation doesn't offer a relationship. She offers a one-night stand. Wisdom says, 
I want to have a relationship with you that lasts beyond this moment. And it is the enduring nature of wisdom's blessings that make wisdom so worthwhile. It's the fleeting nature of temptation's blessings that make temptation so lame, so pitiful, so desperate. She calls out and she says, would you, would you come to my house? She has seven pillars built, built up, which means that it is, a, it is a, a continual house. And I'm running out of time. I love to talk about wisdom's house. I love to... I love to focus on Wisdom's house, especially since I buried my grandma this week. Because Wisdom's house doesn't have a, uh, an expiration date. When you're simple, you're always worried about the expiration date. She says, we'll, we'll, we'll make our fill of love until morning. That's the expiration date. When the sun comes up, uh, and Cinderella you know, turns back to a pumpkin or however that, that all works. When, when the sun comes up, it's all, it's all done. It's an expiration day. That's why, that's why people lose their peace so quickly because they think the sun's about to come up on their joy. And if you, if you come to Wisdom's house, you don't have to worry about the sun coming up because when the sun comes up, Wisdom's still there. When the sun comes up, you still have a place in the house. When the sun comes up, you still have provision for yourself and your family. When the sun comes up, it just means it's another day with wisdom. But to those who are simple or so open-minded, they've been influenced by temptation, they've been following and, 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 and been, been caught, as it were, by temptation, they're always afraid that the sun's going to come up on their happiness. And they should be, because as soon as anything shifts, as soon as anything changes, they're back out on the street. But if you come into Wisdom's house, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens in November. <laughs> There's not an expiration date on my happiness. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, if it's uh, Trumpery or Hillerump. <laughs> that's deep, that's real deep, as I was just saying. It doesn't matter which lives you think matter. Yeah. The reason why, why, why you lose your peace about all of this stuff is because you're, you're letting these voices impact you. You've got to go into Wisdom's house and close the door. <laughs> Let the sun come up. Like, 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 I, I, I can't control who's going to get elected, and I, I don't, I'm not really that thrilled about either one of them. But it really doesn't matter because whoever gets elected, I'm not going to be on the street because I'm in wisdom's house my, my happiness isn't dependent on this current system my happiness isn't dependent on my level of taxes my happiness isn't dependent on my freedom to carry weapons my happiness isn't dependent on any of that stuff I'm in wisdom's house so the sun will come up and the sun will go down and the sun will come up and the sun will come down and actually wisdom's house is forever wisdom's house is eternal that's why you can celebrate when people pass away from this world to the next, if they're in wisdom's house. Because you stay in wisdom's house. 
You don't get kicked out when your body runs out. You don't get kicked out when you get in a car accident and your heart stops beating. You don't get kicked out. The sun doesn't come back up in wisdom's house. It's just, you are in wisdom's house. Revelation 19 gives us a picture of wisdom's house. There's a voice coming from the throne because right in the middle of wisdom's house is God and the throne of God and he's on the throne and this voice says praise our God all you his servants and all those who fear him both small and great and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude is the sound of many waters the sound of mighty thunderings <laughs> I love that like it's 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 just it's just rumbling in wisdom's house it's just like like God's just walking around the kitchen but it's just you know thundering and rumbling I mean the power that is inside of wisdom's house no wonder you're not distracted by what's going on out there in the streets and on the corner of compromise and by the door of distraction when you're in wisdom's house you are engulfed in the majesty and the power of God and the beauty of Jesus Christ and so right there in the middle of wisdom's house there's this thunder and lightning and everything's like like alive and awake and all these voices cry out hallelujah for the lord god omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made himself herself ready and to her he was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright that means his righteousness she's wearing she's wearing white robes when, when you're in wisdom's house, your, your past is for, forgiven. Your past is forgotten like it never... Everything outside of wisdom's house doesn't come into wisdom's house. You leave all of that stuff outside the door and you come in and you're brand new and you're clean and you're right. You're dressed in white robes. Wisdom hands you a brand new pair of clothes when you come into wisdom's house because who you were before, you're, you, you no longer are. You get changed when you come into wisdom's house and you, you listen to wisdom. You begin to walk with wisdom. You begin to think like like wisdom. You begin to value what wisdom values. You enter into relationship with wisdom, which is Jesus Christ. And this is the invitation to all of us and all of our levels of immaturity and all of our levels of, of messiness and sloppiness in life. Walk away from the corner of compromise. Walk away from distractions. Walk away from these other voices. Come into Wisdom House. It's a lot more peaceful here. It's a lot more restful here. There's an enduring joy here. You will not be thrown about with every single new fad that comes about and every single new voice that gets, gets louder and louder and louder. All of those voices get drowned out when you come into Wisdom's house because Wisdom has built her house. She's built her walls, her ceiling, her foundation is secure. There's seven pillars that are going to hold you up through everything the stuff that people are concerned about who only built beds they are not even on your radar not that you shouldn't be involved in politics and all that kind of thing I mean support lives that matter and, 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 and do that but this is not our hope this is not our house I'm going to this place. I'm going to live in this place forever. And this place isn't really that concerned. Who covers what on the news? This, they're not talking about, oh, wow, did you see who got elected down there? No, it really doesn't matter. Because in wisdom's house, it's just you and wisdom. <laughs> and so if you'd like to receive wisdom in your heart today, I would just make that offer to you but let's close our eyes for just a minute and bow our heads we always take a moment and we offer salvation we offer the entrance of wisdom which is jesus to come into your heart and then i i guess in context of this sermon for you to go into her house <laughs> for you to step out of your world and into hers if you'd like to make that step it happens 
just with a prayer, the initial step, simply putting your faith in Jesus Christ, asking him to come into your heart. If you would like to do that today, would you just raise your hand with me and say, I'm going to pray that, I'm going to take that step. That's awesome. You can pray however you like. If I were you, I would say, dear God, I'm coming to you. Walking away from temptation, I want to come into your house. Hmm. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that gives me access <laughs> into your house. I receive his blood for me. In Jesus' name.